actually our team last year we had one day we're on a we had super saturdays last year we don't have them this year and we just decided we're going to go to a park we're just going to grab some food we just went to trader joe's um grab some salads and we played minute to win it and um i forgot oh we did this like competition with toothpicks straws eggs do you guys remember straws i think i think we were trying to build the tallest tower um and you know i think we just it was closer towards the end, but it was just, we just laughed, you know? And I think it was really important for our class to just laugh together and be together. I can tend to be on the serious side and it's important, I have to keep being reminded, it's important to, to play with one another and to laugh, that that's really important. So um, that's just a little mixer for us to get us moving a little bit. Um, I have the lucky privilege of closing us out, which also means you guys have had four, you know, already awesome sessions. I feel like I've taken away so much um, but you're going to get to hear from me at the very end. Um, but let me share a little bit about myself. My name is Anne. Um, if I've been serving as a director, I calculated this morning. So this will be my ninth year as a director, and I've led 10 schools. And um, I've led them, I will say, let me see. I have led a bilingual school. Um, I have led five-month schools. I have led nine-month schools. I have led um, a day school. Um, I have led a hybrid online school. I've led... Uh, a fully almost all online school and then a hybrid school where we had one full group on Zoom and the rest in person. Um, and then this year we're back to a nine month kind of, oh, this year I felt the Lord tell us it's, it's time to make way for families. So shout out to Lydia who's here, but she's been running a kids program and has just thought through so much. Um, she thought she'd have elementary school, that's what I thought, but we just have a bunch of um, four and under year olds. But it, it's been a blast and a lot of chaos and a lot of fun. Um, but I come here saying first and foremost, like, I, I'm available because I've tried a lot of things. I still feel very inadequate. Um, but I also, you know, it was funny, and I wanted to start with this, because when Thomas was sharing earlier this morning, I just felt like this thing of where the Lord was just speaking. And then Thomas shared his word at the very end, and I had the exact same word. And the word was, um, I was going to be like, I, I've done a bunch of schools, but it is not the experience that gives you adequacy. And so I wanted to speak, especially those of you guys who are in your first or second year or have not yet led the school, that God has called you. And he has given you everything you need to be you to run the school that you have. And so we're giving you stuff, and you will not be able to get to all of it. I have to like discipline myself to go, let me not make wide scale changes of 15 different things when I get home next week. I was like, let's just choose one thing per person you know, that we can focus on. But God has given you what you need. And I'll say in your first, second year, um, God's going to use you. And things are going to happen. And they don't need to look the way they looked before. Um, I also say that saying, I think this is my last year. Uh, it is my last year at Epicenter doing that school. And I want whoever's down the road to be able to step in and take what it is for them. Because every person brings their own flavor. And there's a reason God's called them. So I just... I know Thomas shared it once, but I was just felt like the Holy Spirit say, say it again. Because if you didn't hear it once, and you know, we talk about processing prophetic words, I am saying this is a word you need to process, that if you take home anything, it is that you have what it takes if you're directing the school. If you're volunteering with school, God has given you something unique to contribute to the school that you've been called to do. It's not just to be there, but that there's something you bring to the students. It might be one conversation or one you know, insight that you bring that, that I want to encourage you take that back with you. Um, as I mentioned, um, I said, I'm, you know, this will be my last school. Just, just to let you know where I'm 
thinking about going in the midst. Well, let me share my own training school journey. My first year, I came on, and I was actually one of those, like, I don't really need the school. Um, and I came in, but I said, I came into Epicenter, and I, I was going to Fuller Seminary at the time studying intercultural studies, but God had burned in me a desire to see people trained and equipped. And specifically that I was like, I want to be in a space that's spirit-led, that um, is rooted in the word, um, but but really empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then was missiologically minded. I didn't know anything about Epicenter. I had a friend just say, I think you'd really like this church. And I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. And I heard they had this training school. And of course, people are like, you want to do the training school? I'm like, uh, I'm already in seminary. I'm good. Um, but then along the way, they're like, well, maybe you want to learn and, and come watch the school. So I actually went in with the process of going, okay, well, that's good. I remember, I mean, I wish they pushed me more. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know if I could pay this. And, um, you know, I probably, I wasn't making money at the time, but, you know, I ended up coming on to, like, partially staff the school. I was grading memory verses, and, and she gave me a little break on my tuition to do that. Um, but I went in to learn about the school. And I'll actually say that the schools are really interesting because I always find that God knows what somebody needs for the year. So we have our whole, like, we want these people to be formed in all these ways. Um, yes. But in the end, God's going to hit on something very unique for people. And for me, it was this journey of saying yes to him. And so I remember um, I went through the school, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I won't. It was kind of, I felt the legalism behind it. I was, like, memorizing verses. And there was, like, our school kind of grumbled along the way. And we were not probably the best class. But, um the Lord moved. I remember Jim Yost, who's heard Jim Yost speak. Uh, he came to speak on relinquishing rights. And um, God was just setting me up through the school. And so even though I went in with a hard attitude of, well, I'm just here to watch how you guys do your school, I found God pursuing my heart. And if I could look back to that year, it was that. And then he, I remember the Lord telling me, are you willing to lay down your seminary degrees? And I was like, okay, well, yeah, God, why? But sure. And then that weekend was our first World Mandate West in San Diego. And God took me back. I, you know, all peoples couldn't have planned this, but he, they were at a school, and it was the exact same school site that I had served in InterVarsity uh, on an urban project. And God had spoken to me his next step like 10 years ago. And so it was this bizarre moment where I'm on this campus. And because of D school, I had to go to World Mandate West. And I remember I was hanging out with my friends. And just through the day, the Lord just kept speaking. And he's like, now that your degrees are laid out, are you willing to take the next step? And I remember sitting there at the conference. And by the afternoon, the Lord had captured my heart. And said, I was like, I I'm ready to go overseas. I don't even know how I got there. Because I was like, I want to train to equip people. But I'm not sure that I want to actually go. And in that moment, um, I, I go into the, the um, sanctuary, and I tell my friend, I was like, hey, Yuki, I'm ready to go. She goes, what do you mean? Like, it's the middle of the conference. Because my mind was in such a different place. Um, and that, I was like, no, I'm ready to go overseas. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't care what the altar call is. It could be like a call to pornography, which isn't my issue. But like, if that's what they call, and I, I'm just going to go up, because I just feel such a tug to respond. And, um, and I get up to the front, and God speaks. Uh, I thought I'd get a nation. Um, I thought I'd get something in Asia. I did not. The Lord said, go on the first team out with Epicenter. And I was like, but that's Africa. That's Malawi. And the Lord says, would you? He'd been giving me words. He goes, are you willing to lay down um, your rights for a season? It's going to be glorious. And he just brought back this prophetic word I had gotten during that year. 
And so I ended up being one of the first team members out to Malawi. Um, and I will say that that year set me up for the trajectory um, up until this point. And my husband and I are actually praying about going overseas again. So that's kind of our next step is discerning. That was not why I'm stepping down from the school, but it was all part of the process. But I just share that to go, for me, I know the Lord wants to capture people's hearts. And so for me, I know, I know we talked a lot about like, Going, you know, setting high standards, and, and I think that's, we should do that. I think that helps. I also am like, if somebody's willing to say yes from the beginning, I have a very like, well, God, keep getting them. So I'm going to make space because if they said yes to something, I'm going to just keep going with it. Because God used a heart that probably wasn't all there and did something in me so significant that my life has been changed. Um, so anyways, that's my training school story. Um, and this is, I'm going to be... Can you switch to the other presentation? Oh, sorry. Matthew, would you mind doing that? It's uh, the other one behind it. But I'm going to end our time today talking about outreaches and about finishing well. Um, last year, I just did outreaches. And so now I got two topics. And so <laughs> we were, we're going to briefly touch on both of these. Um, but I, I am very passionate about wanting to see... Um, are people activated? And that doesn't mean for the nations. It means whatever God calls them to. But I just love outreaches. First, you know, my heart is the nations. And Antioch is about the nations. Um, I, I know some of us are in different church plants. Um, and some church plants are, you know, haven't sent out any long-term teams. Epicenter sent out a ton. It was one of the reasons why I really was so happy to be part of Epicenter and why I love Antioch. But I would just say that's a really important piece of who we are and what we want people to taste and see. Um, and get activated in. And so I love bringing people on these outreaches. And we already heard a reason why, but you guys heard at the end. Because I sat there this morning, I go, I don't have enough time to get all these prayer elements in, all these values. Except then I sat there through the day, and I thought, oh, but outreach I can. Because outreach, I got them for maybe 10 days, maybe 12 days straight, where I get to set a model of what I want to see them, them experience in life. And I get to speak in, and I get to partner with them. So that's why I think the outreaches are actually, for me, the bread and butter of where everything comes together. Um, and so let me just share quickly. Um, this is my team last year. Uh, we had two trips go out. Um, we had a local team, and then we had a team go out to Indonesia. And um, Indonesia, we have the privilege of having people that are out of our church. Um, so Roger and Jesse, they serve out in um, Bandung, and they've been out there for a couple years. They used to be our college pastors. And I'm excited because for the first time, they're in a space where they could host teams. You know, COVID's kind of shut things down, but Asia was starting to open up. And I talked to my missions director. I said, where do you think we should go this year? And our missions director said, I really think it'd be great if you took the team to Indonesia. Uh, so if you have a missions director, I highly suggest you talk to them. If you don't or if they're not sure, talk to... I'm going to volunteer, Matt, <laughs> Matthew. Um, but, you know, somebody who does, because there are teams out there that are great places to land for D-School. So she told me that, and I was like, yeah, I'm in it. Um, Jesse and Roger are on a team. Jesse's passion is to see people activated through short-term trips. And so I was like, great. Um, this was kind of a plug-and-play trip, which was great, because you guys can see we have a number of kids. My kids are, at this point, one and three. Um, and so we're going to bring them along. And um, 
you know, I wasn't sure what to expect going in because every year is different. Sometimes it's those crazy miracle, like we see healing stories. Sometimes it's, you know, Jimmy talked about that prayer meeting, but I was like, God, what are you going to do? And I just want to share a couple stories. And so um, this young gentleman in the front sitting nice and tall, he, um, he went and he, his heart, he was trying to wrestle about music. Like, should I go into the music industry? So he's going to move to Nashville. He had already decided halfway through school he's going to move to Nashville to pursue that. But during this trip, because of his interactions with Roger, who they're, they're doing business as mission, and then talking to a couple others, his takeaway from the trip is he goes, if I could use what God's given me in my business skills to provide jobs for five people, I think that's more worth my life than trying to produce music, even though I love music. And I, I, he's in Journey now. Um, I don't, I think he's in Seattle right now. I'm not sure. He, you know, he, he ended up not going to Nashville. But I, I remember coming back going, that was worth all those thousands of dollars to travel to go for one guy to say, I want to give of my life to make, like it's a social justice issue for him to create jobs for other people and not just jobs that they can encounter Jesus through those jobs. That's one story. Um, let me share. So um, this guy up front, this is Matt. He's one of our, he's our family pastor right now. And so he is an outside hire, okay? We very rarely outside hire, but we, in this case, you know, invited him on. He had come from another church in our city that was also, like, very charismatic, very, like, apostolic, but from up front stage, you know? Um, I could probably name the church. Like, Cheon's church, okay? So um, that kind of thing. But he had come over for a number of reasons, and he came out of this trip, and I remember his big takeaway is he met Roger and Jesse, and he goes, Roger and Jesse, I've been thinking about why. Like, why did God bring me over to here, and what's the difference between what I see here at Epicenter and at H-Rock? And he goes, you guys are the difference. And I got to see and taste how you guys are laying your, your lives down daily, and that you guys were brought up from this church Nobody knows your name. You're not on the stage, but you are there doing the work day and day. And he's come back, and he's like, this is what I'm after at this church, and this is why I'm here, and I want to see this happen. So he's, you know, one of our pastoral oversights. And so that was just fun for me because, you know, sometimes staff, they go through the school, and they're like, I have to go through the school. But he really just got rocked by this trip. Last story I'm going to share is uh, this girl in the back in the green. Um, and so this was actually encouraging for me this week. So James is one of my volunteers, and he's her life group leader. Um, and so she went in. I mean, I was her D group leader, and she was just like anxiety, fear, anxiety, fear. The whole trip, she was like, I just, I'm, I just feel so anxious about this trip. Everything about this trip makes me anxious is what she told me at one point. And she stepped in the trip. First five days, just anxiety all over her. And she, every time I asked her to do something, she'd do it, but she was like, I hate this, you know, like, this is so hard. Um, I don't know what happened, but being on this trip, something broke. And at one point, she began to step into her authority in prayer. And by the end, she was um, out there bold, like, okay, as bold for her as bold could be, but just getting out there. And um, James is telling me, and this is encouraging, because she came to a prayer meeting. I was like, oh, yeah, God, this is in her. You activated this in her. And he said their life group could see the difference from beginning to end. 100%. Yeah, and sometimes I don't see it, but I, I think this trip was a huge part of it. And I just share that to give you hope and vision for your trips that God wants to do something in them. And so even if right now you're like, 
oh, I'm already two-thirds through the school. I only have outreach left. There's so much that God can instill into those two weeks because that's where you're doing the life on life. It's hard. Classroom is not life on life, you know, as much as you want it to be. But outreach trips always are. And that's where you get to bring your everything. I'm tired, but I'm going to press into the Lord. I'm discouraged. I'm going to press into prayer. And this is where people get to experience and see and do. So I, I love outreach trips, okay? So um, that's why I volunteered for this section. But before we go, I'm not going to, uh, before I go into teaching, what I did just want to do is um, have people share. If you are doing a trip this year, could you, uh, so just one person from each school, if you could raise your hand if you have a trip that you're going somewhere. And so what I'm going to do is just uh, have each person briefly share where they're going. I just want us to hear, um, and then I will give us an instruction. So raise your hand again. I technically already went there, but Bogota, Colombia. Okay. They just came from Colombia. Great. We're going to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Awesome. Uh, we're going to Orange County to work with refugees from all over. We're going to Penrith, England with Revive Scotland. Ah. Oh, yeah, Kim can represent that. We're going to Korea. Seoul. Dubai. We have three trips in our training school, so we're going Dubai, uh, Turkey, and Colombia. When are you going to Colombia? Uh, we're going to Poland to work with our long-term team that reaches Ukrainian refugees. We just got back from Colombia. Ah. We're going to Colombia. Popular spot. God's going to bring a revival to Colombia this year. Um, <clears throat> we're going to Mexico, Indonesia, and um, Uganda. We are going to Tijuana. We're going to Columbia, May 31st to June 26th. See you there. Is there anybody I missed? Okay. Um, I, I was quite, um, I loved what Jimmy shared yesterday about just the um, radicalness. And so what I want to invite us to do is let's just pray into each other's trips. You guys already have things planned out. Um, and I just want us to start by, let's just pray and believe for radical things to happen on these trips, okay? So we, we can carry each other in that. So what I want you to do is, um, if you're not, if you're like, I know there's a bunch of you who are like, I'm not leading a trip yet. Find somebody who is. So if you have a trip that you are leading, raise your hand or, or going to be a part of. Uh, if you are not one of those people, just find somebody. And then if you don't find somebody to come up to you, just pair up with somebody whose hand is raised. And what I want you to do is just pray into that trip and pray for radical outreaches to happen, whatever that looks like. And just pray for the Lord to lead that person or whoever's leading that trip or the, you know, pray by proxy for the leaders doing that trip that God would just um, highlight how they're supposed to lead out on those trips, okay? Let's take about five minutes to do that. Who doesn't partner yet? Keep your hands up. Yeah, Jesus, we are praying, God, for these outreaches amongst our movement. We are praying, God, for you to bring us and our students into radical encounters with you. 
We pray, God, for everything that's supposed to come out. I pray for the teams that are supposed to emerge out of Columbia, God, from all these schools this year. We pray for those who will be called into the nations. Pray for those who will be called into other spaces. We pray for those who's um, going to have deliverances and see people delivered, God. We're going to pray for those who are going to experience healing for the first time. Jesus, we just pray for all these things that you intend as you go ahead of us and invite these students in those places. So I pray for every barrier that has come up. I know there's students that always have barriers come up. God, would you just break those down right now in Jesus' name so people can step into the fullness of discipleship experience, God, that you have for them through the schools. And so we bless all these trips, God. We look forward to next year of all the crazy stories, and we won't need to do this session anymore. Um, but what you want to do, God, through our outreach trips, would you raise us up again, God? And as we enter into Antioch 3.0, there is a new wave of sending, and it might look different. It might be marketplace, but a new wave of sending, God, that you want to do out of our midst. And so would you help us to partner in equipping those people in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Um, I have like slides and materials, but I actually think, because I want to cover two things, what I want to do with the outreach trips is just make space to go, what kind of questions do you guys have? Um, what types of things are you thinking about? Because many of you are already planning trips, so I don't need to cover things that aren't covered. So I'd like to hear some questions, and we'll take a little bit of time to do that. Um, I have some, you have, my slides are there, so you could see the material, and I have more, but I did, I cut some of them out. But just love to hear what are some of the things you're thinking about regarding to outreach trips, some of the puzzles you might have. Um, if you have those, let's speak them now, um, and we can keep, we'll see what we can do with that. Great question. Yeah, somebody want to talk about it? So my understanding is, We've never done this in my school, but many schools have a fall, like a weekend trip to like somewhere more local or domestic, um, and they do that maybe two or three months into the school year. Um, who is doing that currently? Somebody want to share and just share some passion about why they like to do that? Yeah, I'd say if I think about that, um, if you're, is your whole D school? going together in the midst of a larger church trip. Uh, in that case, I, I would make space for your D-School to just, like, D-School times, D-School meetings, D-School, like, we're going to meet. And what I, you know, so I'm, I'm taking a trip to Seoul. It's a discernment trip slash D-School trip slash I'm opening it up to a couple people who may or may not come, but uh, I'm, I'm bringing some people who aren't in our current D-School. But the way I am trying to frame it, or I've even framed as like, hey, we could use some Korean female speakers, you know, and our church has people like that. And so if we're going to bring somebody, though, that the vision is you're going to bring them into the values that you've been teaching, because then it allows them to have an extra step. So what I would do is if I had a D school, I would go to the leadership of whoever the large trip is. How can we use our D school to do two layers? So it's their outreach trip, but that they're also bringing other people into the values they're learning. Um, just that's just thoughts off my <laughs> head. Yeah, Marshall. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to finishing well or ending our school, and it's actually ironic because I was sitting there yesterday. I was like, you know, get people to speak who have authority in this, and I was like, I don't know if I have authority in this, but I felt like the Lord this morning just tell me just share. You know, I've seen a lot of students, right, ten schools, and. Um, I think what came to mind for me is I've seen it all, right? I've seen 
what happens post-school. And I just wanted to start with this encouragement. Um, you know, you guys probably study the parable of the four soils of some way. We sometimes talk about it for discipleship or evangelism. Um, I, I first, I have seen people, like I've seen staffers, somebody talked about somebody deconstructing halfway through staffing. You know, I've seen that. I look at my list and I was like, three quarters of these people don't go to my church anymore. Um, and that's post-COVID, just period. Um, people who have, you know, had bad experiences or people who I thought would make it and I didn't see them do so. But then there's people who surprise me, like I, you know, Allison, who I'm like, oh, yeah, Lord, like, thank you that her life group sees that in her life. And the first thing I just want to say with Finishing Well is we want to create structure and scaffolding for them to be able to do so. But at the end of the day, we are not their Holy Spirit and we are not their will. Um, and so what we are trying to do through the school is to equip and give them everything that they are going to then need to make a choice to follow Jesus with their lives. And so like the parable of the four soils, you cannot control what type of soil they are. It is not that we get all the four soil people in D school. Sometimes I'm always like, I just want to disciple four soil people, but that's not it. And so I just want to present that to you first, that as we think about finishing well, that we do the best we can to equip them, to give them everything they need, to help them enter back into regular life, but also that we submit the results in their hands. Discipleship is not a one-year process. So I don't sit there and go, oh, you're going to go through D school and you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. I am not a disciple of Jesus fully, and I, you know, been following Jesus for all these years. And so I don't want each of us to carry that weight either. We are just supposed to carry them into where God has for them that year, and God's going to keep doing it. Um, so that's the first just thought I present to you as we talk about finishing well. Um, I, in my senior year of college, so I wasn't part of Antioch, didn't know about it, um, but, you know, college ministry is a big thing. And so you kind of get this huge dose of, like, amazing community. And the most helpful thing that ever happened to me in InterVarsity was that they had a senior seminar, and they sat us aside and they said, all right, you guys have had your college experience. You've been staying up till 4 a.m., deep, rich community, doing this life. Um, after college, I don't know what the university statistics are, but a ton of people fall away, right, or walk away. But it's because they, didn't, they weren't aware of how dramatic that feeling would be coming from this intense community college life into faith on their own. And so in that seminar, they're like, it's going to suck. Okay, don't, I don't think that they need to say that for post-D school. But they were just like, it's going to be hard. It's going to feel different. You're going to have to deal with your finances. You're going to have to do, and they just gave us little steps. And I would say that was really helpful for me to just go, okay, I'm going to expect that I'm going to have to make changes in order to keep doing this with Jesus. And I can't just rely on the momentum of the community I was in. And I would just offer that, that that's actually what, as we think about finishing well, what it looks like for us. Uh, so I'm going to give you a couple practicals. I don't think that they're the best things. They are just what we've tried over the years as we've thought about this question. Um, because what it is, it is, it's like, wow, this was amazing. This was so good. And I, I have had, like, not, I have had a person come and staff my school. She's from our Chinese side, and she just loves coming back to staff. I always let her because we have Chinese students that I need translation for. But... It is like, yeah, what are they going to be able to do on their own? And that's actually, it is our job to help facilitate that process for them. Because it isn't going to be go 100% like this. It's going to be, what can I do in my daily life to make it work? And so, um, 
I don't know if I heard this here or somewhere else, but a goal without a plan is just a wish. So it's, they sign up for the school, they encounter God, but it can't stop there, right? It's what is life going to look like just in my regular life, whether I'm a young adult, a college student, some, but post e-school, the biggest hit is, wow, I had this community that showed up for me every week. Now it's not there. Um, and that's where life group fills in, but sometimes it doesn't fill in all the way if they're, they're like, but DNA is like this here, and I don't see it in my life group. But just helping people to think about that is important. So I just wrote the best thing we can do to help our students is to help them reflect and make a plan. That's the best we can give them. And we can do little steps to help them, but it's just giving them the, hey, we're going to take the training. Let's put the training wheels on. That's kind of de-school. Now the training wheels are off, and you're going to have to learn to ride a bike on your own. Um, so I'll say one, one thing that was helpful for me actually last year um, I don't have this in my notes, but um, we actually went through, so I gave my students, I just give them the core competencies. I just go, this is what we're going to do. And I, last year, I pasted it in their journal that we gave them at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the year, actually, our last class in debriefing, we just, I, I did one of those online trivia things, and we did this online thing where we just rated ourselves in every single one of the categories. It was fun, yeah. And I mean, people were going crazy because they had like open-ended responses and some people were, you saw the goofballs come out. But I think what was encouraging is I had one person come out and just go, wow, I didn't realize all the things God did in me this year. Because when you're in it, it's like, I'm just it's like, you know, you don't know when you're growing taller until somebody tells you you've grown taller. But even being able to recognize where God's brought them from beginning to end is really important because if they can't reflect, they can't make changes to keep those things going. So that's just one thing we did. Um, this is something that I've used. I, I put in what I put in the packet is just a reflection tool I've given students. And so what we've often done, we haven't done this every year, is schedule exit interviews with every single student. And so what they're doing is I give them this form, and they're supposed to just spend time with Jesus to reflect. And so um, you don't have to use this one, but you know I had them like, what did I learn about myself? What are things God spoke about me for? Who am I? my growth areas, my past, my passions, um, and have them write things down. And then I also, this different years I've done different things, but who will I pass on what I've learned to? Who will I surround me to keep encouraging me in these things? Who can I look for additional discipleship, mentoring, growth? What things do I need to put in place or remove in order to live out the things God's putting in me? Ours is called the D-School, but after D-School. List some practical steps and time markers. I just give that to them, and then... In our exit interview, what I will do is I'll sit down and have them just share. Just tell me what's on your list. But then I will also um, try to be intentional about this is what I see in you. And this is what I want to see you after the school do. Um, I think I heard it in one of these summits. But um, I think somebody did like a 30, 60, 90 plan. So I kind of adapted that. And I remember what they said is even if they just do one thing on their list of 10, that's a win. And so this is just to get them to think. And yeah, everybody's going to overshoot and go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to share the gospel with this many people. Um, but at least they have it before them. And what we can do as staff is to come in and go, hey, one month from now, um, just check it. Even if it's a blast WhatsApp, we use WhatsApp to communicate. Just, hey, everybody, where's your 30-day, you know? And just to spark in them, because like we said, this is their ownership of their journey, not ours. And so we're giving them the tools. How are they going to live it out? Um, yeah, and then so you could do it three months, six months. That's not my strength. Follow-up and accountability was one of my low things. 
but I think this is where you can pull in or encourage people in their D groups to do it or in their RNR, whatever your groups are called, or ask your staff to, you know, if they're not continuing on, can you check in with these folks um, and see how they're doing? Uh, just a couple of other things. I think um, the integration or the collaboration is really important. Um, we talked about that earlier, how important it is. Mick was saying how important it is to collaborate. I think I'm realizing this too is letting zone pastors and life group leaders know what happened um, and having a conversation and even doing a handoff. So, you know, if I had somebody and they were in a life group to go, hey, can I just chat with you about XYZ and this student and this is what I saw and I'd love to see that continue to cultivate so that the ownership gets transferred from D school, which is a structure, to their life group leaders. Um, I think Jimmy talked about this yesterday, but help every student find practical places. Suggest things, because I think most people, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, just take a break, and then they just disengage. And I think that isn't stewarding them well. And to go, hey, you don't need to jump into this thing, but what about this thing? I want you to stay connected. Um, alumni groups, uh, I have found D-School will be places where future teams will raise up. And so it's good for people to connect. And, and I, I sometimes find helpful spaces where people want to do that. We haven't done that super well. And we talked about this. Um, people can jump on a second year. Uh, so those are just some elements of finishing well. Um, what I want to do right now is just have you guys get back into table groups. Um, we will, let's see, are people mixed up? Yeah, OK, we'll just stay in the table groups we're in. And let's just take about 12 minutes to just talk through any thoughts, questions you guys have about this idea of finishing well and ending well and share ideas and just, you know, cross-pollinate in, in terms of this. And I, I know you guys have more things than I have here. Something that you think everybody in this room should hear, can you just volunteer that information or call on somebody to share what they shared or share yourself? I'll bring up another thing we were talking about is timing of outreach with ending the school. And I know many schools kind of end the school and then do their outreach, but I will suggest it's really important to have some debrief space after the outreach back home before you formally close the school. Because just so much happens right there that the school isn't complete until you have gone through the outreach and can reflect on that too. Any other thoughts about the schools or the ending well? Yeah, sounds like just something for them to grab onto, right? Yes. That they can, because they're going to have to own it. Oh, the, the, the duck, yeah. Any other thoughts as we end this time and I turn it back over to Mick? All right, well again, um, our steering committee is here to resource. You know, uh, I know a bunch of were like, oh, we're transitioning, but uh, we're available. I, you know, I think my strength is I've just tried a lot of different schools. So if you're like, I'm tweaking and I, I'm not sure, you can come. I've, maybe it's me, I'm just like, I just adapt and I'm like, I'll just try something different. <laughs> For good or bad, I didn't think about the rebound thing. But um, yeah, if you guys ever just need to just talk through, or if you are a school that doesn't have a strong missions department and just want some thoughts about outreaches and how to do those, um, really happy to talk with anybody through that. So Mick, I'm going to give you the time back.
All right, everybody take a deep breath. That's a lot, lot of stuff. So what I would ask of you is to uh, dig deep for 15 more minutes. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put some instrumental music on, and you can fight to stay awake. And uh, but, but what I want you to do is to kind of open up the notebook, open up your notes, um, and and try to harvest one takeaway from each of the main kind of sessions, starting last night and then the five today. Um, one takeaway from each session. This is just kind of your personal reflection time. That's just a rubric by which to think about it. If, if there are like two from one session that are just really jumping out at you, that's totally fine. What I don't want to have happen is like, this was so much information, it was great, and then you just leave and nothing changes. Um, and, and I think there was enough that it could be more than just one takeaway, right? So we're looking for kind of three to five takeaways that you feel like are actionable for you uh, in the immediate future. Like what is something that you can implement uh, in, in the short term where you circle back with your team, you're like, hey, it was just at this uh, summit. And these three to five things really stuck out. I'd love to talk through how we can make some tweaks and implement this. Does that make sense? Um, so looking back through your notes, you're looking at uh, each session and just harvesting. What were some main things that stuck out to you? And a list of 30 will never get done, right? So three to five actionable things that could really move the needle in your school. All right, so take take uh, we'll do 15 minutes um, and uh, and then we're going to just going to do one last uh, uh, kind of sharing that with the table and we'll be done all right